It's good to see my church family. Uh, you know, we've been away for three weeks, um, Veronica and myself, and uh, we've been on holidays. I underestimated this morning um, just how emotional it would be to come back. It's crazy. Um, if you saw me this morning, I was on stage a little bit. I was very emotional. <laughs> but I think it's, isn't that like that when you come home and from being away? And uh, it's funny, you have a good time in the holidays, but you miss the family. And I, I definitely missed you guys. And uh, I also know that I haven't, uh, <laughs> thanks, Sonia. Uh, I, I haven't uh, spoken on a Sunday night for a while. It's been Sunday mornings for me. But I know that Sunday night is the hungry crowd. Is that right? <laughs> hungry for the word. Hungry for the Holy Spirit. Hungry for God to speak to you. I really believe that. And, uh, you know, I've got a word that God put on my heart tonight. I'm really, I'm really believing that people are going to be stirred and they're going to walk out here different tonight as well. Now, our theme this year is uh, fearless and having a courage culture. And I'm loving it so far. Pastor Jack's preaching has been fantastic. Uh, I listened to last week and I've, I was here this morning. And, uh, you know, we have a world that wants you to be fearful about everything. In fact, we go from one fear to the next and you haven't even caught your breath from the other fear before that, you know. COVID and then we have interest rates and we have uh, floods and, oh, back to COVID again. <sighs> and, uh, you know, I went snorkeling while I was away. And I got short of breath and I was a long way from the boat. And I realised, oh heck, I've drunk in too much salt water. And, uh, and I remember think, I said to Katie and Ryan, hey, uh, I've got to go back to the boat. <laughs> Just because I was like, I can't breathe, not because I was tired. I'm going, oh, I went back. But, this, uh, but I was okay, I didn't fully get back to the boat, I was all right. But, you know, um, but isn't it like that sometimes? One terrible thing after the next and, and just you don't even catch your breath. And uh, the thing I've realised is that... Um, the world can be a scary place. The world can be a sad place. And even if we're a Christian, we can still have sucky times. And uh, I've been a Christian a long time. I've been alive for almost half a century. I've realised that sucky times still happen whether I'm a Christian or not. And sometimes we think that just because I'm a Christian, everything's going to go all okay. And we start thinking, and, and obviously I'm in pastoral care. I hear this often. This shouldn't be happening to me. I'm a Christian. And I say that, but I've said that to myself sometimes. Or I've said it out loud sometimes. Hang on, how come this is happening? I, I tithe. Uh, I read my Bible. I, I pray. How come this is happening to me? But sometimes we confuse life and God. And we start to think they're the same. But life is sucky sometimes. But God isn't. He's good all the time. And if I realise that and I align myself with God then yes, the sucky times will come, but I'll get through them. And I don't fall apart, but if God's just a thing I have, an extra, then when the sucky time comes, I start looking at any other extra that I have as well, and I don't always rely on God. That's my sermon for now. Okay, catch us later. All right. No. Let me pray as I start. Father God, we love you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your presence is here. Holy Spirit, we feel your touch tonight. We ask that you would speak to us like never before. We thank you for this hungry crowd to hear your voice. We ask that you would do that tonight, that people would hear you, not my words, but your words, Lord God, straight to their heart. Change mindsets tonight. Change hearts tonight, Lord God. Allow us to be different. All of us tonight, Lord God, walk out of here different again, just from that experience with you. Lord, we love you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, I've got a bit of the Bible to read tonight. I hope there's some Bible believers and Bible readers here. All right. 
So we're going to go on a bit of a journey in the scriptures, all right? I'm going to make it as exciting as I can, because it is exciting. I actually love reading the Bible. I want to start, well, if you're into uh, headings, my, t- my title would be How to Face the Fire, because we are going to face fires, and I want to be able to get through the fire. I don't want to fall apart in the fire and burn up. So I'm going to look at Daniel 3. I'm going to start in verse 7. It's going to come up on the screen, but I'm going to read a fair bit, but... What I need to give you a little bit of background on this. You know, um, so Jerusalem has been uh, taken captive. Uh, it's been beaten in battle by the... Uh, uh, that's terrible. I'm trying to think of who it is. Um, help me out, Pastor Jack. Help me out. That's no, all right. They've been beaten and, and people have been taken captive. By Babylon. Yeah, by Babylon. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. From Babylon. And, uh, and so guys have been taken back captive to Babylon and uh, so I'm going to take it up in, uh, sorry, and, and what's happened is King Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. And, uh, and so he's like the king of this world, right? We, you know, he's like the king of this world. And if, I know we're not all Jews here, maybe there's some, but, but we're going to take that as God's people, yeah? Is this a room of God's people? Yeah, okay. And so God's people have been taken out, or some of God's people have been taken out, and now they find themselves in Babylon with the king of this world, yeah? And he thinks a bit different. And so he makes a statue of himself at the start of this chapter. And he says that everyone has to bow down to this massive big gold statue of himself when they hear music, when they hear the tune. They've got to dance to the tune that the king of this world says. And they've got to bow down and worship him or the statue. And so now we get to verse 7 and we find out what happens about that. So it says, So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bow to the ground and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed him on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. Whew. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage, and he ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue that I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into a blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, We want to make it very clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up. And, and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes and other garments. 
And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the men in, the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. Well, I'm going to keep reading in a sec, but wow. You thought, well, they're going to be courageous and it's all going to change. The king's going to change his mind. It's all going to be okay. And it ends with, hang on, they got thrown in the fire. What? Did, did I read it probably? You got thrown in the fire? I thought maybe this, you know, oh, well, what's the use of me being struggling when I, I face fires in my life? But let's keep reading what happens. It says, but suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and he exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Wow. Another translation said, looks like the son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. He's changed his tune. Come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads were singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Wow. What a great story. We are going to read some other stuff in a second, but I just want to chat about that a little for a second because, like I said at the start, I don't know, I haven't heard of anyone who has had a cruisy life and they've never had to face, maybe not a burning furnace like this, but maybe the furnace for you is loss, loss of family members, people in your family, maybe, maybe a relationship. Maybe the furnace is about to lose your job or, or how am I going to pay my home loan or just bought a home and the interest rates have gone up and... Maybe it's sickness in your family. I don't know what the furnace is and what the fire is in your life, but we're all going to face it at some stage. And I like how these guys faced it. They even had the opportunity to pull out. The devil will do that. He'll give you the opportunity to say, oh, do you really believe in God? Do you? Do you really believe the stuff that you said? I've heard it out of your mouth. Do you believe it? He'll give you that opportunity to step down and bow to the king of this world. Right to the last minute, right when they're right at the fire. What I realise is, uh, this passage, uh, there's safety in numbers. Having other people in my life that think the same is strong. It'll help you. Because I'm sure that one of them was probably backing out, maybe all of them at different stages, and it just took the others to go, hang on, no, no. We're going to do this. We're going we're gonna to stick it out. The thing I realise is the fourth man, I believe it's Jesus, he didn't turn up until they got in the fire. He didn't prevent them from getting in the fire, which is what we naturally think sometimes, as what I said at the start, we think that God's going to help me avoid the fire. He's going to turn up right at last minute and then turn the fire off. Or, or just take me out of that and, and remove me, take me somewhere else. But he didn't in this story, and I've seen it in my own life, and I'm sure you've seen it in your lives too, that he doesn't. He kind of waits till you get in there, and then he's there. He protects you while you're in the fire. No one saw Jesus until they got into the fire. He turned up when they got in and he protected them while they were in there. And isn't that the Jesus that we want to follow? Isn't that the Jesus that we, yeah. I, I just think that Jesus is probably going, let's just see, are they going to? Yep, they're in. Okay, I'm in. I, I don't know, but I, I just think it's cool. Uh, if you're facing a furnace today, oh, sorry, I said that, but having like-minded people around you, try and find, maybe it's your connect group. 
Maybe it's people that you know, maybe it's your family members, but people that think the same, they'll encourage you when you're low. It's a key to facing a fire in your life. I love how it says that their hair was not singed and they didn't even smell like smoke. You know, um, sometimes, have you ever, um, you know, I, I, at the last encounter weekend, I told a story about falling on a fence. It was a long time ago. And I started telling, and then someone actually said, oh, um, because I, I got the fence stabbed me here and in my arm. But I don't even have a scar anymore. And someone was saying, where was it? I'm going, oh, it's there on my chest somewhere. I'm trying to find it. Can't see it anymore. And they go, did it really happen? <laughs> yeah, it really happened. But isn't it like that? Sometimes we don't have the smell of smoke on us anymore. It's like it didn't happen. But isn't that good as well? That if you're actually with Jesus, when he's the main thing, it's like it didn't happen. You've got to say, did that really happen to me? I think it did. Man. And, uh, and so I, I just think that's really great. And not a hair on their head has been singed and they didn't even smell like smoke. Like it didn't even happen. And you know what? Another thing I noticed from these guys is Sometimes you need to fear the Lord more than you fear the fire. Yeah, they were more afraid about letting God down, going like, hey, we are not going, even if he doesn't turn up, doesn't matter. Because I fear him more than I fear you or the fire. And that's a, man, that's a big step. That's a tough step. But I, that really spoke to me. that I need to be more, more afraid of not doing the right thing before God than to be worried about the fire. I think this is a great story, but you know, I kind of read the end of the story before I read the start. And so, I don't know about you, that inspires me a little bit, that these guys got through the fire, that Jesus turned up in the fire, and I know he's going to turn up in your life when you have a fire in your life too. But let's have a look at how they got there, because sometimes that's tough. Some of the things that we have to face are really tough. And, uh, and so I want to go back to the start of the story where we start to read about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. So I'm going to read some more of the Bible. Is that all right? Yeah. Not reading the Quran tonight. I'm not reading just a good book. Yeah, we're reading the words of God. Yeah. Okay. So let's go to Daniel one, and we'll say, okay, we saw the end result, which all of us want. Yeah. yeah. I know I, I do. Okay. So Daniel one, during the third year of King Jerichoam, which is the king of Judah, reigning Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jerichoam and Judah and, and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylon and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy and good-looking young men, he said. A little bit like this crowd, yeah? Looking, yeah, okay, there's a few, all right. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said, make sure that they are well-versed in every branch of learning and are gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train, the, train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. Then the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from, the, from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years and then they would be entering into the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of these young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them, these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff of mission not to eat these unacceptable foods. 
Now, God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I am afraid of the Lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I am afraid the king will have me beheaded. So Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on the diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned to the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of food and wine provided for others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period had finished, uh, the period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to, the king, uh, to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and chanters in the entire kingdom. Cool. So this is where it all starts for him. This is the bit that I like because I want to know how come they could stand in front of a fire that was bigger than them, all consuming seven times, burnt the guys up inside. How could they get there? And I want to pull a few things out of this passage that we just read to work that out because I want to have them in my life too. I love the fact that, uh, you know, the world will try and change your name. That's different to what your, what your name is. Daniel. The word Daniel, the name Daniel, it means God will be my judge. But uh, he got, his name got changed to Belshazzar, which Bel was their god or one of their gods. And it says, Bel, protect his life. Wow. So instead of his name being God will be my judge, I'm going to worry about what God says. That's what I'm going to worry about. It's, hang on, Bel or this other god will look after you. He'll protect your life. Man, we start believing that. That could change us everything. If you start believing that God's going to be not, not God's going to be a judge, but something else is going to be a judge, man, that's going to change how you actually act and how you, you play out. It says that Hananiah's name meant the Lord shows grace. And they changed his name to uh, in command of Aku, which was the moon god. Wow. I'd like to be called God will give me, uh, God shows me grace, other than I'm in command of Aku. He's in command of me. Man. It starts changing how you're thinking. Michelle, who is what God is? I'll take that. But they changed his name to who is what Aku is, the other God. <sighs> Almost so similar, so close. But it means a, a, dramatic, a drastic amount, different. Azariah, the Lord helps is what his name means. And it got changed to servant of Nego, which is Abed Nego which was the god of vegetation. Wow. Subtle changes, but they mean so much. And maybe you can, you can think of some of the names that God gives us, or we can think of um, the names as God's children and as God's people. He puts on us that we're loved, that we're accepted, that, that we're anointed, that, uh, that we can talk to him and all that sort of stuff. But what if people start saying, oh, no, that's not true, or how about you start listening to what your boss says, or... Uh, how about you listen to what the media says? 
that's going to be a bit different. You start living a different way, don't you? You start looking at the fear and the worry of what's going on. Names are important. That's why the first thing they did was start to change their names. That's the first thing they do when they get there. You're no, no longer going to be loved by God. You're going to be loved by people. No longer you're going to look to God for your protection. You look for your job for protection. No longer do you have, you know, is is uh, is you in, in God's relationship the most important thing? It's about what everyone thinks about you. Yeah. Man, it changes a lot. Subtle changes. But isn't that what the world does? Isn't that what the king of the world does? He wants to start indoctrinating us to think like the world. I want to challenge you. This is a way for you to uh, don't accept what the world would say to you. Accept what God says to you. Get to know the word. Get to know what does God say of me? Who am I in God? What does Christ make me? These are ways that you're going to face a furnace and not be worried about it, yeah? Start believing what the world says, then you're not going to handle it and you'll crack, yeah? The second thing I notice is, I love how Daniel stands up for these other guys, but he starts up, he stands up for himself at first. It says that he, he spoke to the uh, chief of staff, the top guy, and he said, because um, he said he wasn't going to defile himself, right? Well, the reason why it would be defile himself from eating good food off the king's table is that it was offered to all these other idols, uh, all these other gods. He couldn't guarantee that it wasn't you know, offered onto something else and then offered to them or, or we pray thanks over our meal, don't we? Who do we thank? We thank our God, yeah? So surely in the same way, they've prepared it how they would, right? Well, they weren't going to eat it. There was unclean animals. There was things that they didn't eat. There was ways that if they killed an animal, they killed it the right way to honour God. Well, maybe it's not done that way here. The wine, that was actually, I read a little bit about it, but they would even offer wine to the God first before they drank it. So they're not going to touch that stuff because what it does, it defiles them. It makes them unclean, yeah? And I, oh, I thought I'd tell myself, um, I, I, I want to I challenge you today, don't defile yourself. This is a key. Don't accept the things off the king's table. Yes, we have to live in his world. You know, that's the way it is. But we don't have to eat off the table. Yeah, we can decide what we eat. We can decide what we can put in our life, what we're going to accept and I love it how Daniel, he makes a stand and he says to the chief of staff, so he's gone to the top, asking, hey, in a nice way, surely, because it said that the chief of staff respected him and had affection for him. Yeah. So he wasn't that guy going, I'm not giving you anything. He was the guy going, oh, I want to give you it, man. But you know what? I'm so scared of the boss. I'm not going to. Uh, you know, and, um, so, and so that was okay. He just took that. I wondered whether, I couldn't tell whether he was sent out for himself or was he sent out for the whole group because there was a whole pile of guys that didn't mind defiling themselves. There's a whole pile, there's a whole pile of guys that ate whatever the king gave them and, and they were in that same place. Uh, I know we're only reading the story about Daniel here but maybe Daniel was the only one who actually said something. But then he speaks to the, the guy down from them who's just looking after the four of them, almost like a connect leader. I like this. It's a little connector before people here. And Daniel decides, hang on, someone's got to lead and I'm not going to do this, but you know what? And, and maybe they didn't say anything, but he speaks to the guy and guess what? They all get the benefit of it. Yeah. Isn't that what a connect leader kind of does? Let me give you a little bit of guidance. Let me stand in the gap for you here. Let me advocate for you. That's what a leader would do. And so all of them don't defile themselves because Daniel stands up. That inspired me a little bit. That... Sometimes it's good to have a mentor or someone in your life. Maybe it is your connect leader. Maybe it's your pastor. 
Maybe, I don't know. But having someone in your life that you know, you know what, these guys advocate for me. They pray for me. They stand in the gap for me. They protect me. And I love it how Daniel does that. He stands up and it says, then he, he sort of works the way with this other guy and says, test us out. Well, I love it how uh, the attendant agrees, gives them this food and tests them out for 10 days. But they had that for three years. Three years. That's a long time to be eating that. And I know I've done a Daniel fast for 21 days. It was a killer. Just eating vegetables and water. Three years they did that while they were learning the things of that world. And I kind of think sometimes, sometimes there's good things in our world too, yeah? It's not all bad. They're good things. And so sometimes we should, as Christians, we take on the good bits that the world has, but as long as it doesn't misalign with God, yeah? It's okay to have a job. It's okay to earn money. It is. But if that starts being my God, then it's not okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because God's got to be the number one thing there. And that's where Daniel's making the stand. And I love it how uh, in this whole first chapter, they're still called their old names, even though it's three years later. They get to the end, they're still called those old names. I know in, in chapter three, they, their names have been changed. But it's actually them, um, the storytelling's different there. But I liked it how they just kept their, they knew who they were. They knew who they were right to the end. And I love it how at the end, it says that even the king could acknowledge that they were 10 times smarter, better, uh, healthier, fitter than anyone else that was there. And I, and I like that. And I think if you start to honour God in that way, you start to put him first, you don't defile yourself with the things of the world. You allow the things of God to speak louder than the, 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 the speak of the world, uh, than God to speak to you louder than the world speaks to you. Then this is how you're going to fight, um, be able to withstand the fire. And that's how you'll meet Jesus in the fire. Whenever, whatever your fire is in your world. You know, um, as I finish, I want to pray for you today. But what I realised is there's a real parallel here in this story between Daniel and Jesus. That Jesus stands up and advocates for us. He sets an example for us. And I even thought the three years, he spent three years with his disciples, teaching them how he was. And I'm sure that all these guys just watched Daniel. He was probably speaking to them the whole time, encouraging them all that sort of stuff. But I, I really see a real parallel of Daniel was an advocate in this story. So when these guys had to face a fire, they knew that they were going to meet, you know, that God was going to be there. And I, I really feel that's what Jesus is to us as followers. Jesus is our advocate. Jesus stands in the gap for us. Jesus protects us. Jesus encourages us. He does all those things for us. And he meets us in the fire. I don't know about you, but that inspires me. And it really stirs me that I want to be the right guy. So I want to pray for you tonight, for all of us, that we would not defile ourselves with what the world's offering up, but we would seek the Lord. We would um, do the things that he'd want us to do. Read his word. Speak to him. Allow him to speak to us. Allow him to change our thinking. So I'm going to pray that now. Is that cool? Lord Jesus, we, we love you. Lord, I thank you that you stand in the gap for me and us. I thank you, Lord, that you, um, that you would say, stick, keep looking to you, keep uh, listening to your words, Lord God. I just ask that tonight, Lord God, all of us would make a stand that we're not going to defile ourselves with the king of this world, that we're not going to defile ourselves with the things from the king's table, but we're going to look for the, the, the food that will have from you, Lord God. I just ask that your words would speak deep into our hearts. It would change our minds, Lord God, change our mindsets, Lord, and give us wisdom as we speak to people, 
Give us favour as we speak to people, Lord God. And we just ask, Lord, that we never lose sight of you. Lord, we know that we're going to face fires. We're going to face furnaces, Lord God. But we just ask, Lord, that that, uh, you would give us the courage and the fearlessness, Lord God, to step on in, knowing that you're going to meet us there, Lord God. Let us face everything that the devil throws at us with courage and fearlessness, Lord God. And we ask it in your name tonight, Jesus. Amen.